Welcome, everyone, to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, by the bad mamma jamma, Carrie Smith. Carrie, are you there? I'm here. Good afternoon, Carter. Good afternoon. Hey, we have someone in chat. Hey, Tamara. Um, we can hey, see you do your hair, it says. Sorry about that, Carrie. Oh, uh, man, that's embarrassing. Yeah, I think it's because... I forgot to pin the the correct video to Zoom. There's too much. I take, I'm not a good producer and everything else. Well, Sorry. you guys can see now why I wear the hat most of the time because my hair is at an uncomfortable length and I don't like the way it looks. And actually, I, as I was trying to fix it, I was like, why don't I just go get my hat? <laughs> I well. like the hat, but I, I'm fine with the hair too. So, <clears throat> oh well. Sorry about that, Carrie. That was that's my fault. Whatever. I need to a, uh, I need to have a producer or I need to just get my shit together. Uh, so um, I, w I do want to say one thing. I know um, I know some people, myself included, miss having guests that we interview. Uh, even though we're not doing as much on Deprogrammed, uh, we, are, we have a couple guests now in the queue. Interviews are coming out. Don't worry. That's happening. So um, yes, but... I'm also enjoying what we're doing with Deprogrammed a little bit more now because it's more focused on the theme of Deprogrammed, which, Carrie, you like to say the theme? Uh, the theme of Deprogrammed. Well, I mean, <laughs> I like this one person in the in the comments once was sort of criticizing us for having a theme and a point of view. I'm like, that, yes, that's the whole, that is the theme of Deprogrammed. We have a point of right. view. Yes. The point of view is this is, it's a critique of my old belief system, which I think is an evil ideology. Uh, and that's not too strong of a word. I believe it's absolutely evil and it's racist and sexist. And it, what's evil about it is that it convinces people who are against racism and sexism, some people, well-intentioned people, to go out and preach this stuff, which it, it turns them into um, missionaries for the very thing they claim to be against because it is a racist and sexist ideology at its, at its core. So the entire reason we do deprogram is to try and de like deconstruct it and help it make more sense for, not just for me, because I'm still trying to help, I'm still trying to figure out how to articulate what it is. So it's for me, but it's for people who are just now coming into contact with it. And, and it's great, it's a great format to do it episode by episode because some of this is so big that I was saying, I was saying to uh, a, a new friend last night, I was like, well, here's what I believe about blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden I realized I sound like Alex Jones. <laughs> like if you, <laughs> if you try and explain all of it at once, it's like, it doesn't, you know, you have to kind of, it's easier to take it apart piece by piece. So that is, that's the goal of Deprogram. And today's subject is one I've been wanting to do for a while because this is one of the core beliefs of SJW ideology. It's one of the most important sacred tenets of SJW ideology. And I'm sure that even if you're not in uh, my old echo, SJW echo chamber, it's it's permeated the mainstream to such a degree now that you've heard this. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Carrie, I don't wanna forget to say, please follow, like, share, all that stuff. So there, I've not forgotten. The other thing I wanna say is, uh, I, on the one hand, I think what makes it sound Alex Jonesy is on the one hand, yeah, there's a lot there. On the other hand, there's a really kind of simple underlying explanation that makes it sound like you think there's this cabal of evil people orchestrating things. And yeah. that's 
that's not what we're think. That's not what we're saying. But that is kind of how philosophy works in the sense that once there's an idea, it becomes kind of like a virus. I mean, the word meme before the internet, uh, I think it was coined by Richard Dawkins. It actually just means an idea that kind of self-propagates, right? It becomes a meme by kind of the old definition and it spreads out. And because philosophy is so fundamental to thought, if it's a bad philosophical idea, it permeates every area of academia and media and society. And it takes literally 100 years to have things start coming to fruition. And so when we say like, oh, this is all part of this ideology or the system or it's a Marxist or collectivist thing happening, it's not that there's a cabal of people and these are you know, planned dominoes that someone laid out and they're kind of taking orders. It's just, this is what evolves from the seed of a really evil, bad philosophic idea when it's accepted and it continues to be accepted moving forward. So- well, it's funny that you that you mentioned that because I had this quote pulled up that I wanted to read, um, which is George Orwell. But if thought corrupts language, language can also corrupt thought. A bad usage can spread by tradition and imitation, even among people who should and do know better. Right. That's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. No, it's absolutely. A, and and it's like, uh, go ahead. I, well, no, I think of it a lot of times as it's not a, like the ideology is a, it's like a school of fish. It's, there's no, there's no secret cabal of people leading it, but it all moves. Everyone starts to move together in this direction. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, to answer the question, yes, I did see Yen Eve on Alex Jones. If anyone wants to go watch it, <laughs> go watch it. But uh, honestly, I was uh, a little disappointed that it was less asking Jonathan slash Jessica stuff because I kind of really want to understand whether this person is sane or evil. Sane and evil or insane. Sorry, I guess that's those are the categories. Anyway, uh, not related to the topic, but yes, did watch it. It's good. People should watch it. So, Carrie, um, so this is power plus prejudice is the definition that is now being used. Not It's not just for racism. So I think what there's a class of uh things called axes of oppression in the social justice terminology right and racism is one but sexism is one or whatever so they, they all we're going to talk about racism specifically today really but it's the it's the model for how sexism is viewed and other things are viewed as well is that it's, right yes it's like it replicates so they so just quickly an overview again they be they believe this ideology posits that the best way to view and interpret the world is through a lens of oppression and power and to look at everything through this lens and so to look at the world as a competition between groups and those groups unlike unlike the marxism we think of which was based on class this is based on these groups are based on identity and so like race is one, sex is one, sexuality, religion. And it's this never ending, they have these never ending categories. It's what you're calling the axes of oppression. Um, and so they, they assign, they believe, they've tried to change the definitions of several words, okay? Uh, racism is just one, sexism is one. Power is another. They define power as um, being based on which of these identity groups you belong to. And that's it. It's not based on your 
individuality or your individual position in society or your individual ability to inflict force. It's based on which of these boxes you check off. And for each of these axes of oppression, how many marginalized groups are you in versus how many privileged groups are you in? And that's how they define your power. Yeah. Now, I, I kind of want to, one thing I want to say, even before we delve into it too much is, um, it might seem a little bit esoteric to, to unpack a definition of a particular thing and spend what's going to be maybe an hour and a half doing that. But definitions are philosophically extremely important. I mean, uh, Socrates, for example, was obsessed with definitions. Like he was, definitions were extremely important. Um, and, and that's because definitions are like the, they're the DNA upon which your entire system is built, right? So you can add the right amount of water and sunlight and the right nutrients to your, your system. But if you're starting with the wrong definitions, you're going to get the wrong plant at the end of the day. And that's why definitions are the target of philosophers who wish to change culture in the long term. That's why changing definitions is important because if they can get the wrong definition in there, then all the other things can kind of flow. There's a, there's a path open. It doesn't mean they necessarily will. I'm not a determinist, but it does open up the path for a lot of other things to kind of flow out of that. So that's why they obsess about the definitions of things. Yes. If you can control language, you can control thought. Clearly, you can control the ideas that people allow themselves to have. And what's interesting about their redefinition or attempted redefinition of these terms, which has been very successful, it's, it has reached the mainstream now, um, but their attempted redefinition is that they have built in, they have built in a magic trick, which is authority. Um, like I've said before, they are authoritarians, meaning they want to control what you're allowed to think and say and do. Um, they're authoritarians on the left and people aren't used to talking about authoritarians on the left, but that's what they are. Um, and they've built in this little magic trick of authority, wherein let's say you're having a discussion with someone about racism and they happen to be, be bought into this SJW ideology. And they say, well, racism means prejudice plus power. And you say, well, no, I define racism as treating people, judging people and treating them differently on the basis of race. And their little built-in magic trick is you don't have the authority to decide what racism is. Only people of color do. It's built into their entire belief system to even say that. And, and uh, so they make it impossible. It's another way they, that, like we've talked about this before, they try to make it impossible for you to even have discussion with them and to share ideas. The people who've bought into this are on lock, their brains are on lockdown. They're not allowed to engage with you and to hear what you're saying and to consider it because they've been told this is the definition. People of color have authority. People of color all think the same way and they all agree, which by itself is a racist belief. They do not. And not all people of color buy into this BS. Um, and therefore we, we can't, we're not allowed to have, well, that's, we're not allowed to say, well, that's not the way I define it. Well, and uh, just as a point of fact, uh, the definition was, was, uh, that definition was invented by Patricia Bedal uh, Padva, who is a white woman. So <laughs> I know I uh, love that. <laughs> if if we don't if if white people can't define it, then it's then you know I, if we have to look towards people of color to define racism, um, I don't know what uh, I don't know what Frederick Douglass's definition would be, but I'd 
I'll bet dollars to donuts. I'd agree with his a lot more. So I bet dollars to donuts. I'd agree with Thomas Sowell a lot more too. You know, there are people who, yeah, let's, let's talk about which people of color you actually, they only, they only respect and defer to people of color who already agree with their ideology. If you, that's why they get so angry. If you mention a black person who doesn't agree with this tripe and that's why they get, and the same thing with sexism and any woman who doesn't agree with this tripe. And it's like, Oh, you're a traitor. So let's, I want to, I want to break it down a little bit because um, I'm, and I don't want to use our own words. I mean, we will use our own words in analysis, but let's just use, this is the social justice wiki. (laughs) Um, And I'm just going to read. So this is the race. This is the racism is prejudice plus power. So that's their, that's their definition. But then of course you have to ask the questions. Well, what do you mean by prejudice? And what do you mean by power? Um, so according to them, prejudice is a, quote, preconceived opinion not based on reason or actual experience, bias, or partiality. Okay. Um, and power is the capacity to exert force on or over something or someone. So that's this is their, these are their <laughs> definitions. Um, and I guess... I guess there's, it's worth pointing out a few things just on these definitions. I don't know whether we should start with kind of the collectivist uh, assumptions behind this or whether you should start with the definitions themselves. But let's just take force, for example, or um, power, for example. The capacity to exert force on or over something or someone. That's basically only, there's only two categories that I can think of and people in chat can and can mention another one, but that's politics and crime. Those are the two, like you either are using force against someone illegally or you're using force against someone legally, which is politics. A shop owner has no power by this definition, by their own definition. Shop owners have no power. Landlords have no power. But you're incorrect, Carter. They don't define power as the ability to exist. I'm reading their definition. This is their definition. I agree they don't stick with their definition. No, they don't. I I agree with that. I'm I'm just throwing their own words back in their face. Force, not not doing business with you voluntarily. That's not force, right? Force is physical force. Or I, I argue also that when you when you bring in force to a conversation credibly. Like, I don't have to actually shoot Carrie. I can point a gun at her and say, I'm going to shoot you. And that's introducing force into the relationship where it didn't exist prior, right? But that's what force is. That's It's real, tangible force. And actually, their, you know, their definition of power seems to be centered around force. Obviously, as Carrie pointed out, they don't actually buy that. The, uh, so that's that's the power side. Um, so that would, by their definition, if they were consistent, preclude all most of what they argue against and most of what they complain about, which is not actually force. It's voluntary association between people. Um, and the other one is prejudice. I actually kind of have a problem with their prejudice because I think uh, their definition of prejudice, again, is preconceived opinion not based on reason or actual experience, bias or partial- partiality. I think an actual, like, honest-to-goodness, old-school racist would say, no, my prejudice is based on actual experience because uh, every Asian that I know is good at math 
therefore Asians are good at math. That's based on actual experience. I mean, that that's that skirts way too close to the lived experience crap that they talk about as well, where, well, my experience is that people of X color do Y. Therefore, it's not prejudice because it's based on actual experience. So they're they're not even really paying attention to their own definition when they that's that's their actual definition. Their working definition, Carrie, is a little bit different than this. Correct. Correct. But that's also we're just reading from one source. They don't all just they don't define it as an individual's ability to exert force. They well, I didn't de- use the word individual. I didn't use that. Oh, I know. But I'm, I'm just to clarify. So they don't okay. define it as an individual's ability to exert force. They define power as you only have power based on what group you're in. Your ability to exert force is based on your collectivist groups. Like it's not based on your. So they can look at a powerful person like let's take an easily recognizable one like Obama. Or uh you know oprah whatever they would not call her powerful right no as an individual that person can exert force they don't look at the world through the lens of individualism they look at it only through collectivism which skews reality for them and so they would say uh compared to a white man in her position like a hypothetical white man in her position Oprah doesn't have power. Well, that hypothetical man doesn't exist, first of all. You're in, and you're stripping her of agency, of individual agency. Like, let me, let me share my screen real quick. This, this is... Yep. So I clicked on... Um, this is one of the sources in that one document about power. Yep. And uh, can, you guys, can you see that? Okay. So da-da-da-da-da. Here they go. When people use their position of power, be it political or institutional, to reinforce their prejudice and to enforce them. So as a result, so that as a result of their racial prejudices, the life chances, rights and opportunities of others are limited. Then the result is racism. Now, to you and I, this sounds like individualism, right? If an individual uses their power, but that's not what they mean. They mean people as a group. Thus, the simplest form of racism, definition of racism, then is racism is prejudice plus power. On the basis of this definition, while all people can be prejudiced, only those who have power are really racist. African-Americans, Latinos, Asians, and American Indians, the powerless in American society, can be and often are prejudiced towards whites on an individual basis, but they are not racist in the structural institutional level. So it goes on to say you have to have this structural and institutional power, which is like they, they view it as a group power and something that that um, you have based simply on what groups you're in um, in order to inflict your prejudice. But can, can I make here's here's my problem with that. Their own their own uh, definition, like you said, it let me, let me back up for a second. Um, I've lost my train of thought. Carter, save me. We're live. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I want to touch on something you kind of said earlier, because you're going uh, you're going pretty quickly over okay. a lot of stuff, covering a lot of ground. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I caught it. I caught my thought, though. Okay, Can I go it? ahead. Okay, okay. So they say we need this definition because we have to differentiate institutional power, institutional racism and systemic racism from just regular old racism, right? We need this definition so that we can discern the difference between the two. That's not true. We already have a term for institutional racism 
it's institutional racism. <laughs> we already have a term for systemic racism. It's systemic racism. What they're doing by trying to change the definition of this word is they're operating from the top down and they're taking a word that already existed, which is racism, and everybody has a common knowledge of what that means, and they're trying to change it from the top down. And they're and by doing that, they're trying to make it so that it, you come to believe that it's impossible to be racist towards white people or impossible to be sexist towards men. Um, this is part of, of their shift in power. They want to redistribute power through the use of force. And this is one way they do that is to get you to become okay with what they call prejudice against white people and prejudice against men. Um, because in your mind, they've now done a judo trick where you're like, but it's not real racism and it's not real sexism. You can be as prejudiced as you want towards those groups. Did that, right. did, did I, did I, did I express that? Okay. I think so. I think that's, I, I agree with you. I think that makes, I think that makes sense. Um, I think there's a, so, you know, we, we earlier, I, I broke down like, Oh, it's prejudice plus power. We talked about both of those definitions, but what you're pointing out is even on, even on that level, there's something, there's something wrong with this thought process. And that is collectivism as a, as a concept. And I don't know that I don't know that people have a firm grasp of collectivism, so I, I kind of want to I kind of want to mention what I mean by it philosophically, because I think a lot of people think of the word collectivism and they think of a political system, right? They think of collectivism, and even a lot of uh, even a lot of writers in in on the left talk about collectivist as a as a political ideology of collectivism. Philosophically, collectivism is something which will sound a little bit crazy, but but bear with me because this is what we've accepted as a culture in many ways, philosophically. It's this idea that the group is the primary metaphysical entity and the individuals that make up the group are secondary and fungible. So it's um, an example might be, uh, it's the forest that is a metaphysical primary. The forest needs light. The forest needs water. The forest needs certain nutrients. And the way to go about biology is to, when you find a tree, you first ask yourself, well, what forest does this tree belong to? That tells me everything I need to know about the tree. That's all, that's all the essential elements about the tree is just to identify which forest the tree is from. And this obviously has been taken politically to do a lot of damage, right? Because it's what's used to justify the sacrifice of individuals to the collective in totalitarian regimes, you know, would be they communist or other or fascist, Right. Both Hitler and Stalin had a similar, well, we sacrifice the individual for the greater good of the fatherland or the motherland or whatever it is. Um, and I would challenge that there's some collectivist ideas that have seeped in society that people don't recognize as anti-individualist. And one of the most common ones I hear is public good. Right. Public good is an anti-concept. There is no entity called the public. Right. What's good for the public? doesn't exist. The public is a bunch of individuals, each with their own idea of what's good and bad for them and their own needs and their own desires and their own goals in life. The public does not have a good. There's also like, you also hear like the will of the public. Oh, this is what people want. This is why democracy is not uh, philosophically, democracy doesn't solve any problems, right? Oh, the public wants this. There's no such thing as the public. The public doesn't have a brain. The public doesn't have desires. 
you have a brain, you have desires. And often those desires and the conclusions you draw with your brain are very different from your neighbors. And it's only through a collectivist ideology that places the public or the collective, the group above the individual that you're allowed to, that they can then get away with sacrificing individuals because the individual, the sacrifice is somehow worth it for preservation of the group as a whole, right? And I think this collectivism fundamentally, and I'll, I'll use another example here, especially when we apply it to race, collectivism fundamentally denies free will and the rational capacity of individuals. It's a, it's a denial of free will. And I, uh, I think a, a good analogy here is Think about applying, so I use the forest and trees analogy. Think about instead of categorizing trees as belonging in different forests, you did something that sounds, it's gonna sound a lot better because it's actually scientific. You categorize trees based on species. This is an oak, this is a pine, this is a maple, whatever it is. If you categorize trees that way, and the first question you ask is, well, what species does this tree belong to? Well, you do actually get a lot of valid information about the tree, it's like, oh, I do know basically what kind of nutrients it needs and how much light and water and all that stuff because that's a function of the DNA of the tree. That's how they treat humans. And the problem with it is humans aren't trees for one primary reason. They have free will. They have rational capacity for thought and free will. So your DNA does not determine what you need. Your DNA does not tell you everything about your individual. The DNA may tell you the essential characteristics of an oak tree, but knowing what race you are does not give you the essential characteristics of a human unless you believe humans are simply a function of their DNA, which by the way, Carrie, is racist. That is racist because it assumes that different races cannot have their own, in, the members of different races do not have their own individual capacity and free will to make their choice. They're just like trees. The DNA makes them grow a certain way and need a certain thing and want a certain thing. And that's the way the world's viewed. And that's the essence of collectivism philosophically. And that's what makes it abhorrent, which is why it is. it's not just this you need to fight against. It's this, it's whenever you hear collectivist concepts like the public good, you have to realize that those concepts are anti-concepts. That's how this sneaks into our culture. It's through concepts that sound nice, but are invalid philosophically. That's my rant. Sorry. Yes. Well, they, that's why you have to challenge when they say, they say the most racist stuff when they're pushing this idea, by the way. Yep. And so I, if I were to give tips on how to have a conversation with an SJW who's trying to preach this to you, and they do preach it like they're evangelists, um, it more often than not, it just like Carter pointed out, it was a white woman in the 1970s who coined this whole concept of prejudice plus power and then it exploded and spread like a virus and like a, like it spread as if it's a state as if it's a fact when it's not um it's simply one person's idea that then is like oh well this idea is now fact no it's not and you can poke holes in it very easily <laughs> um one way they try to prevent you from doing that is using the authority that whole authority concept if you're not allowed to so i would say if you're having a conversation with an sjw and they start preaching this um one of the first things they say, if you disagree, is they go to whatever your identity is. Because again, everything is identity for them. They're not very different from racists on the right. They're both collectivists. They're both what Carter said. They both just look at what's, what species of tree you are and that they think that tells you, them everything about you. Um, 
but so they they will they will originally attack you uh and on the basis of race or sex whichever thing you're challenging if you're a man who says you don't agree with prejudice plus power is how you get to sexism they'll say well that's because you're a man and you don't get to decide what sexism is right if you're a white person and you say you don't agree with this they'll say well that's because you're white and you don't get to decide well i i just like to point out calmly like i do i do get to say what i think it is i'm sorry <laughs> or or whoever it is they're saying can't say like yeah they can we still live in a free society where we get to speak our minds and don't self-censor don't 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 um don't prevent yourself from expressing yourself we might be living in a place in 30 years or so where you're not allowed to say your differing opinion <laughs> so now's the time to years. do it that long wow is that optimistic a little bit carrie this is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if this ideology has its way on the world, which it's trying to, and like I said, you see pundits on CNN saying this stuff now, prejudice plus power, who, who've taken it to its logical conclusion and, and then will artic they will articulate things and actually say things like it's impossible to be racist towards white people. They'll actually say that. Um, and so if that, if this ideology has its way with the world, yes, you, we may end up at a time and place where you are not legally allowed to express your opinion. So do it now and, um, and, and challenge them on like what you're saying, Carter, about how they are, these are very racist ideas that they have. Point that out. You don't have to call them a racist. If you call them a racist, it's going to, it's not going to go to a good place. You can simply say that's a racist belief. Talk about their beliefs and their words. That's a really racist belief to say that a person can't comment on this or or form an opinion because of their skin color. White people yeah, can't form an opinion on this, or, or a man can't form an opinion on sexes. A person can't form an opinion on something because of their sex. Take, take the race, take the specific race and take the sex out of it. Just say, so you believe a person's race dictates what they're allowed to believe and say. And, and, and the other thing I really quickly just so I don't lose this thought is they, they challenge them on the racist belief that that all marginalized people are exactly the same because they will say in a lot of these threads um uh there was a white sgw that i get tangled with recently who was asking her wall how do you define racism and uh there are white, countless white people in there who bought into this belief system who say i basically they're like i wait for a person of color to tell me what's racist Okay, that's assuming that all people of color have the same mind and the same opinions. I don't believe that's true. Do you wait for Candace Owens to tell you what's racist? Do you wait for Thomas Sowell to tell you what's racist? I don't think so. So that that's my that's my little kind of like yeah, I, if I were to give on. advice. <laughs> yeah, no, that's spot on. And I I I wanna point out that when they say you can't decide this, I mean you you I just want to underline something you said, Carrie, when you said, yes, I can, right? Yes, I can. That's what being an individual is. That's what, that's kind of, I, I don't want to go, I don't want to sound super hyperbolic, but that's what the essence of morality is. The essence of morality is you own yourself. You are in charge of yourself. You are in charge of what you say and think and believe. That's a very fundamental anti-individual thing to say, like you don't get to decide. Yes, you do because you are an individual. And the minute you give that up, you've signed your death warrant as far as I'm concerned, because you're no longer, you're, you're abdicating your responsibility and rights as a human being.
So be aware when, when someone says that, that's a, they're, they've gone down the collectivist path to it's oh. Yeah, they've already handed over like the keys to this this prison that their mind is in. They've yeah. they've completely handed it over, and they don't realize it. But they're what uh, I, maybe it's Peterson. I've heard talking about this. Uh, yeah, being articulate mouthpieces for an ideology. That's what they are. And some of them are not even articulate mouthpieces. They're just <laughs> mouthpieces. Well, I think what we're but, seeing actually is articulate is becoming less important because. Um, once the ideology is a religion, all you have to do is scream the right few syllables in a, a, a way that's coherent enough that the rest of us know what you're trying to get at. And, and that's fine. And case in point, what's the name of that woman who accused the Cuban guy at the public supermarket recently of, she's a representative. I don't remember her name. Oh yeah. I don't remember her name either. We don't need to know her name. She doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. She, She's an elected official and she, you know, getting back to what you said about soon we won't be able to say what we think. She had a press conference the other day. She wants this guy in jail. She thinks his, even if he said everything she claims he says, which there is ample evidence to suggest that she's full of shit. But even if he said everything she said, it's not illegal. And she thinks that he should be in jail and she's an elected official. So this is not something that can't happen. We already know that elected officials will ignore the constitution. We just, if there are more of her, which there seems to be a trend of being more of people like her in charge, it's not far-fetched that we'll get to a point where you actually can't say what you think. And you can't already in the UK. There's already been, you know, you, you can't, you can't make a, a funny video of a dog doing a Nazi salute. You can't say the wrong thing on social media or the police will show up at your house. You can't advertise in a way that the government believes enforces sexist stereotypes. There's, you, there is and, no freedom. And, in the UK. and Canada, yeah. If you want to get a glimpse of what we could look like in 10 or 15 years or maybe sooner, according to how optimistic or pessimistic you are, take a look at what's happening in the UK and take a look at Canada and compelled speech laws. And, uh, you know, it, without our first amendment, uh, we would be in that, we would be just as, because culturally we are just as far along as they are. They're just have, they're gonna have a harder time codifying it into law here because we have the first amendment, but make no mistake, they wanna codify it into law. They want to be able to tell you what you can and can't say, not just what you can't say. They want to be able to tell you what you have to say. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So you have to call Jonathan Jessica Yaniv. She. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They want to be able to go to jail. Force of law. You go to jail if you don't say these things we want you to say. Um, right. Wax those so balls or go to jail. <laughs> yes. Right. And I get that's Canada, but I, I honestly, I agree with you, Carrie. We're not far away from that in the U.S. And Frankly, it's one of the reasons that the Supreme Court is important because it's the last line of defense. It's been a shitty line of defense forever. It's a shitty, shitty line of defense, but it's something. And, you know, if you get a Supreme Court with a bunch of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's on there, they're not going to, they'll uphold all of these anti-free speech laws. Yeah. They don't give a shit about the Constitution or your rights. So I have a I have another bit of advice for conversations with people who have been swayed by this SJW um, tenant of belief and who have bought into it. Right. So this is a good one. Just 
it sometimes if you get people to um, pragmatically try and think through like a thought experiment, you can help disrupt a little bit of of this magic. I truly, and we use that word a lot lately, but it's like a freaking magic spell that's been done on their brain. Um, so sometimes you can just, you can say, okay, I don't agree with your definition, but let's assume for a second that it's right. Let's assume your definition is right. And that it's really important to you that I don't call um, racism against white people racism. It's really important to you that I, I call it prejudice, right? Okay. So let's say it's just prejudice. It's just prejudice. At what point, <laughs> at what point do you think it's going to be okay? At what measurable angle in society are we going to start saying, well, actually now it, we've things, because you're presumably working towards a society where people of color have equal power. Again, using all of your definitions, you don't believe people of color are powerful. You believe white people are. Your angle is to work towards a society where they have equal power or, or, you know, it's, it's more equal in your mind. So how do we measure that? Where at, where's the tipping point at which we say, we've taught generations of kids now that it's impossible to be racist towards white people. You can only be prejudiced towards them. At what point do we say, oh my gosh, this prejudice turned into racism. And, and then, and then how do you roll that back? How do you say after you've, after you've programmed generations of kids to believe that prejudice against white people is okay and prejudice against men is okay because they're oppressors and they have power. And how do you roll that back now that you've said it's okay? And, and so that's a good question. And they usually don't have a good answer for that. They've never thought of a measurable end goal at which it's okay to stop pushing this crap. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, but the other thing is, um, well, no, I'm going to stop there because I'm going to go off on another tangent. And I'm sure you have thoughts about that. Well, no, I mean, I agree with you, although I will say I don't think um, I've said this before. I don't think their end goal is to build any particular kind of society. Uh, and I also think we all we know this already. We see it happening with the Democratic Party. The people who pave the road for the more radicals get uh, executed as the rad more radicals come in. The the ultimate person in charge of this entire system may not be born yet, but that person will be a totalitarian dictator. Yes. They will be an authoritarian person. And that person will not give a shit about races. They don't care about any of this. They just want power. And they're going to let you do all the demolition for them. And they will waltz in. And frankly, it may be someone on the right waltzing in to, and, and pointing fingers at you and saying, look, at, they've destroyed the society. We need far right totalitarianism. Or it will be someone on the left waltzing in saying, ha ha, we've, this is great. We've, we've ruined the system of oppression. Now we're going to rule our way, which i.e. my way. And at I, that point, they are not going to give a crap what your race is anymore, except to the extent that it's exploitable politically. Right. I have one difference of opinion with you on this. There again, and this this goes back to me believing there are roughly speaking two different types of people wrapped up in this ideology, those with bad intent and those with good intent. And we can argue about that another time. But those with good intent, like even this white SJW I tangled with recently, I think she's one of the ones with good intent. She truly has bought in and believes that this is making the world a better place. She's the type of white woman who pays lots of money to go to workshops where she unlearns toxic whiteness and learns all about white privilege. And I, I know you're laughing, but it's true. There are lots of women who do this. And um, for those people, 
you they do they do have end goals. They may not have sat and thought them through a lot, but but if they have good intent, at presumably again, go by their own definitions, go by their own ideology. What's your end goal? Is it to have a society where there's equal power. So how do we prevent that tipping point? Then it, now that we've 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 codified it, that people believe that it's impossible to be sexist towards men and it's impossible to be racist towards white people. How do you roll that back? Well, I don't think she, I don't think someone like that, first of all, I don't think they could articulate their end goals very well because if they could, it would horrify them. Uh, And second, I'm not convinced that a lot of them, well, I'm not actually even talking about the pawns in this game so much as I'm talking about the generals and the lieutenants and the people who are kind of more actively advocating this. So social justice advocates less yeah, than, than people who just buy in. But the pawns are the ones who have made this mainstream and are spreading it everywhere. And like you said, they don't even have to be, artic- yeah, they don't have to be articulated about it anymore because that was done. Look, I love when I get into a disagreement with a, a new, a baby SJW who's just learned this stuff because they've learned, now that it's in the mainstream, they've learned it through the mainstream. Oh, and they're like, let me tell you fellow white person. It's usually white people, by the way, who are talking about this. Let me tell you fellow white person that racism equals prejudice plus power. It's like, yeah, okay, I learned it 20 years ago. And back then we had to be able to articulate it because it came off as a load of hooey. And so you had to be able to make this make sense. <laughs> so you're right? better at it because you had to fight against it. Oh my you. gosh. Yes, because I had to make it make sense at a time when it wasn't mainstream, <laughs> right? And I think I was pretty good at it. And like I was preaching it for 20 years. I know your Bible. I know your SJW Bible. I know, and I know that you are not even articulating it well. Like you're doing, like you said, now it's gotten to where they can just say these, it's like a mantra. Racism is prejudice power, power. white privilege, white privilege, white explaining, they just say these toxic whiteness, white fragility, blah, 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 magic word, magic word, magic word. They don't even have to explain it well. And so you can easily, and again, some of them have bad intent and you can tell pretty quickly when you start talking with them because the ones with bad intent um, won't follow you down these paths of thought, the thought experiments. They get, they'll get really angry. They'll call you names. They'll just flounce off. They'll call you racist, whatever. That's what they do. They do ad hominem text. But then if you're in an online, if there are people watching, if you're in public and people watching, or if you're in an online forum, you can point out what they just did. Like let them illustrate for you what they are about. And, and if they have good intent, I've had experience, they will go down those thought paths with you. They will. And then you may not change their mind on something right then because again this has become for them this is a foundational belief now this this ideology is the framework through which their entire house of belief is built this is their foundation so you're not going to overnight get them to knock raise their house to the ground you know but you might shake their foundation a bit so that they start thinking about things differently i know you and i usually disagree about uh the goodness of a lot of the social justice people um as individuals, although uh, I will say I don't care too much about intentions generally when when judging people's behavior. But um, that said, so this you know this term, this uh, this idea that racism is prejudice plus power, as we mentioned, was invented by Patricia Bedall uh, Padva in the '70s. But it was really popularized by um, Judith Katz and other people who had Judith Katz wrote a White Awareness Handbook. Uh, which I I went through. There's exercises 
um, that you're supposed to do in groups. This is basically she was aiming it at organizations, corporations and nonprofits and any other organization that wants to kind of get rid of racial bias and prejudice within their organization. And at the time that she wrote it, so um, she has some of these exercises. I think it was it might have been originally written in the 70s. I'm not sure. But the version I saw was written in the 90s. It was a, an update. And she part of one of the exercises was to watch this special with Diane Sawyer about race, which I did. I went to YouTube. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll go watch this special about race. And it's a reminder that it's a reminder of what they've what they've the left has really done here. In the special with Diane Sawyer, they did what seemed to be a pretty objective experiment and demonstration that there was a lot of anti-black, this is in the 90s, I think early 90s or whatever, there was a lot of anti-black uh, racism by white people and and they did it with like hidden cameras and stuff. And so um, they would see that like the white guy would go in and the apartment would be available and the black guy would go in and the apartment wouldn't be available, right? That, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and I think what happened was a lot of moral people, like good people uh, in these organizations, they, they see that, oh yeah, there is racism still, right? There is, there are, there are people who are racist and they treat people differently and we, we don't want to do that in our organization and, and we want to, root out root out racism and, and teach people to not be racist. And so they they hire people like Judith Katz or they hire someone to, to use her material to teach about rooting out this racism. Now, the way to root it out actually rationally is to say, well, um, they're not being treated like individuals. Yes. People are not trees. People's DNA does not mean that you know everything about them we need to treat them like individuals. And this is how you treat people like individuals. And these people are, the, the racists in this video are collectivists in that, in that aspect of their life anyway. And, but instead of doing that, they, she took a problem that resonated with good people who were like, oh yeah, this is a problem. I, I, wanna, I wanna make sure we don't do this. I wanna fix my organization. And she offered the wrong explanation for it. She offered instead, oh, well, let me redefine racism for you. Let me talk about people as members of classes rather than as individuals. Let me talk about, let me introduce this idea of systemic racism as racism, right? There, right? That is racism or institutionalized racism, institutionalized racism is racism. Let's view people as members of classes and, and that's how we root out racism. And so... I think a lot of people who don't think more deeply about the philosophic concepts behind this looked at that and went, oh, okay, is this how we fight racism? Okay, I want to fight racism. And they implemented that stuff. And the more they said it and implemented it and did it, the more they believed the fundamental philosophic premises, which were not explicitly stated. They do not state explicitly, hey, everyone, we're collectivists. We don't believe in the individual, blah, blah, blah. Like they don't, that's not explicitly stated. You have to go back to like John Dewey and people who like talk, they don't, they don't talk about that explicitly, but it's there. And if you, and if you don't notice it, which most people don't, and you don't think about it, you're just trying to quote, do good. You end up buying all this crap and then repeating phrases that are collectivist in nature and spreading this like a virus. The same disease. You're so right. It's you don't cure collectivism with co with another form of collectivism. You cure no. it with individualism. 
You don't cure it with collectivism. You don't cure racism with racism. You don't cure sexism with sexism. It's like saying you have a terminal disease, you have pancreatic cancer. So I'm going to give you Ebola. So pancreatic cancer doesn't kill you. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> Ebola yeah. will take you out faster. And then no, right. you don't cure a disease with a, with a disease that's pretty much the same, but, but you know, you just flip a few things. And that's yeah, I, I would, the analogy I would use would be an autoimmune disease, though, because I, yeah. I believe that is what collectivism, this kind of collectivism is. It's autoimmune um, because it's teaching people who um, mean well to kill themselves. Actually, as someone literally sometimes someone I think it was Jason in the chat. I'm sorry, Jason, or whoever it was, if it wasn't Jason. Um, oh, it, it was. I'm reading it. Uh, he says, I remember a crazy Harvard debate where one side argued that white people should affirm their own suicide. Yeah, right? So they actually sometimes actively argue literally for suicide, but even if it's not, it's, it's a version of self-imposed genocide, basically. There are tweets that have gone viral. I mean, you can find any of this stuff. People are like, uh, where white people, white SJWs are saying, you know, we shouldn't bring any more white babies into the world and stuff like that. It's like, that is a really, cancerous belief that you're holding and what's crazy to me and that's why i call this ideology evil is because that person presumably if they're in it for good intentions they believe saying that you shouldn't bring any more white babies into the world they, they believe it's not only not racist they believe it's anti-racist that's insane like yeah so um i uh Gracie in the chat says, Carrie, have you ever asked an SJW how we can know when WAPs, WASPs are no longer in power? Do they mark their calendar to assess whether it's still okay to be prejudiced given oppressor versus oppressed us? Yeah, that's my point about asking them what at what measurable end goal is it okay? Uh, or at what measurable end goal are we going to stop saying it's okay to be prejudiced towards any oppressor group? You don't have an, you don't have a measurable end goal whatsoever. And even if you did practically, how do you undo all of this programming that you've you've made people feel like it's okay to be um, to be racist and sexist. I also like historically. One of the questions I like to ask people is about this: is why, why think about it for a second? Why do you think your ideology would want to convince people that it's impossible to be racist towards a certain race? Why do you think your ideology would want to convince people? that it's impossible to be sexist towards one particular set. You know, why, why? What are any possible negative outcomes of that? That you, that if you look back at history, could you, does, does that give you any ideas for possible horrible things that might happen? Place the word white people with Jews. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and by the way, this new definition, it is to borrow one of the words, problem, it's problematic for Jews because it says it, because it's prejudice plus power. Well. Jewish people have systemic and institutionalized power. So are they the oppressors now? And, and you'll actually see people in the mainstream, like Melissa Harris Perry, who's a, um, a commentator, journal, journalist, was she opinion person on MSNBC? You'll see people like her saying, well, you know, the, the anti-Semitic comments that Louis Farrakhan makes aren't really racist because he doesn't have any institutional power to inflict them. That's right. why they don't they don't have a problem with anti. If you look at some of these leftist authoritarians and you're like, I, I'm confused. Why are they cool with these anti-Semitic comments? Because they view Jewish people as privileged. They view right. them as oppressors. They Oddly hold enough, very few Jewish people 
fight against this ideology though, which is odd. True. But well, um, well, just like the woke white people who bought into it. It's like, yeah, they played into people's desire to, that's why it's evil. They've played into people's desire to do good and to end um, bigotry and they get, and they turn them into little robots that go out and preach bigotry. And that's evil to me because you've now taken a person and you've stripped them of free will. You've gotten them to cage their brain off and you've sent them out to be a little mouthpiece for this, um, for this evil, evil belief system that is against, that's the opposite of everything they claim to be against or they think they're against. Yeah. I would say the answer to Gracie's question about when do you know, uh, Wasps are no longer in power. The answer, the actual answer is one that the social justice warriors will hate, which is uh, that I don't, I don't know who originated this phrase, so I'm not going to try and attribute it, but you can tell who's in power by who you're not allowed to criticize. So we're oh, past. The, the, yeah, they'll hate that because look, guess who you're not allowed to criticize? Of course, none of these marginalized groups. Right. That's so, exactly who's in power. Um, I have to show you something. This is how far they've come in changing the definition in the mainstream. So I started writing, I was trying to write this um, SJW Bible of sorts. And I was looking up the definition of racism as part of writing this. And I went in the way, way back machine to see how often the definition had been changed. And I found that in October of 2016, so right before the 2016 presidential election, right when all of this SJW stuff was all over the place, Trump's a racist, racism this, racism that, um, Merriam-Webster quietly went in and updated their definition of racism. And I looked to see if anybody had written about it or noticed it, and there's nothing that I could find. In fact, all I found on Twitter was people complaining that it wasn't SJW enough, like they, they need to go further. And actually they just, they want it to, they won't be happy until it says, Racism equals prejudice plus power. That's what they wanted to say. But this is pretty close. Let me um, bring this up. So this is the definition of racism on Merriam-Webster that existed on October 11th of 2016. So there's two points there. One, a belief that race is the primary determinant of human traits and capabilities. Uh, capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. Okay. That's pretty much that boils down to what we, we've all kind of agreed on that definition forever. Cause that's the way that word is used. Number two, a racial prejudice or discrimination. Yes, totally get it. Okay. So this was October 11th of 2016. Um, and then I'm going to bring up the next one that I found, which was three days later, October 14th, sometime during those three days, they changed it. And so now you still got number one and number number two has now become number three. And right there in the middle, you've got two. A, a doctrine or political program based on the assumption of racism and designed to execute its principles. To B, a political or social system founded on racism. So this is the beginning of them inserting the systemic idea of racism. They've put the word system in there. They've put in doctrine and, and program. Um, so th this is, this is, they're not going to stop here at, it's going to keep evolving the way we Carter's talked about, like it spreads like a virus. So now that they've introduced this idea of a system, 
it's not very far away that you're going to see systemic in here. And it's, but again, the SJWs aren't happy even with this. They're like, well, you should say prejudice plus power. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to counter you. Let me just see what, but this is, this dictionary is from high school. Uh, Racism. One, a belief that human races have distinctive characteristics that determine their respective cultures, usually involving the idea that one's own race is superior and has the right to rule others. That's definition number one. makes sense. But number two is a policy of enforcing such asserted right. And three is a system of government and society based upon it. And this is from uh, 1989. So which dictionary is that? Webster's Encyclopedic Unabridged Dictionary. Well, I haven't looked up Webster's. I guess my only point is that doesn't change my point that in 2016, they they updated. Wait a minute. Which one am I looking at? Miriam Webster? You're looking at Miriam Webster. Right. Okay. So why didn't it exist before then? They took it out. They brought it back. I don't know. I don't know. But my only point is uh, it's not to undermine what you're saying. I do agree that that has been added to the zeitgeist in modern times and this is webster's unabridged i don't know if miriam i don't know what the corporate status is but miriam webster sounds like a merger of some other company named miriam so i don't know uh but my point is that these this definitional change has been intentional and it was a long time coming like this is what we're seeing is it's coming into its fruition now but uh and for some reason you know, people were focusing on only the first definition, which is the correct definition, I think, or the more correct definition. But this stuff, you know, it's been going on for a hundred years. What uh, I mean, you know, I mentioned um, John Dewey, which is basically, you know, roughly a hundred years ago. I mean, he was born in the 1850s or 60s or something. Um, but, you know, he was, you know what he called himself politically? Democratic socialist, right? He was a collectivist through and through um he here we i have a i have a john dewey quote society is society in its unified and structural character is the fact of the case so society is what he's saying is society is the primary the non-social individual i.e an individual like separated from society is an abstraction arrived at by imagining what man would be if all of his human qualities were taken away Society as a real whole is the normal order and the mass as an aggregate of isolated units is the fiction. So this, this philosophy of collectivism is not new to America. It, this is just, it's coming into its fruition now, which, which is why I know it sounds lame to keep emphasizing philosophy, but it's why you have to know the roots of the enemy, like the, the origins of the enemy here are not it's not racists or whatever. It's, it's collectivism. It's the collectivist ideology. That's what's destroying this country. And there's just a whole bunch of instances of it. And there's lots of ways it can go, but it's all fundamentally anti-individualism. That's all I wanted to say. Agreed. By the way, I agree with the term light thinkers that Pete said. He said, I find many of those well-intentioned to be rather light thinkers. I struggle to find the patience to deal with them. You and me both, man. Uh, it is easier to avoid, <laughs> to just walk away. Um, it's tough.
but you know, you also Pete also asked earlier, will victims become oppressors using the power of the state? Uh, I like I said earlier, I think part like temporarily, but you know, when you have a when you set up a system in which the most vile, ruthless people win, well, the most vile, ruthless person will end up being the dictator. So that's why you have like the Democratic Party may have, and to some extent Republicans, but the Democratic Party has kind of adopted this ideology lightly. But now you have the four, the squad, who've adopted it much more vigorously. Like, oh, yeah, their their racism is more open. And so long as they have some success in the Democratic Party, which I think they will, there along will come eventually a more virulent form of AOC and Rashida Tlaib and uh, Ilhan Omar and all those. You'll just see it get more and more intense, more and more blatant, more and more brutal, more and more, more uh, less and less hidden and disguised as something nice and just more blatantly evil. So those people who were indoctrinated when I was in the 90s, um, many of them went on to work in journalism and entertainment and, you know, all these elitist areas, spheres, and they, the media has been pushing this forever for, I mean, for a while. And, and, and it, it did start with, again, this started 1970 is when this whole concept was coined. And so those people who were indoctrinated with it in the seventies are the ones who indoctrinated me, my generation. And yeah. then what have we done? And it, and it keeps getting, uh, it keeps becoming more mainstream. And so the media has been pushing it for a while now. I, I'm not surprised to see politicians now speaking it. And that's why I was saying, this is one of their core sacred beliefs. And even if you're not, it used to be you had to be in the academic world, I think I felt like, or you had to be in my in a specific like SJW echo chamber like I was in to be introduced to these concepts, but not anymore. Now it's no. like run of the mill. And you and if you've got kids in school, they're being taught this now in elementary school. I mean, kids are learning this in public schools in kindergarten in first grade. We've talked about on this program and read some of their curriculum for this. So they're they're filling little kids' heads with this idea. Yeah. And I think it's like it is like a virus in that any vector in works, right? So, you know, uh, if it starts in philosophy, the subjects closest to philosophy are first infected, right? And it took a long time for tech to get infected. Tech was largely infected through the HR departments uh, because those are the non-tech. Look, the, the engineers, most of the engineers are busy like learning how to program or doing math and like not, you know, you take the humanities classes in engineering school because you have to, but don't pay attention a whole lot to them. Uh, but, you know, it comes in through through HR and non-technical fields and, and organizations. That's how it infiltrates. It also comes in through just once it's part of the mainstream culture, it gets absorbed. So tech people, you know, they'll watch CNN or whatever, and they just kind of assume like, okay, well, this is, this must be right. You know, I'm just going to, and I understand there's a system, tech people are systemic, systemic thinkers, basically. So once you set up a system that they can understand, they'll just follow the rules and, and, and churn it out and ban the right people on Twitter because geez, those are the rules. Where do they come from? I don't know. Should they be challenged? I, I don't know. That's not my thing. I'm a tech guy. I'm just going to follow the rules. Those are the rules. That's what society says. Those are the rules. Right? And, it's, so, and it is, it becomes, it becomes passed along as if it's a truth and, and not a new concept that can be criticized. People will say it as uh, new SJWs will speak of it. Like, as if it's gravity, They're like, haven't you heard of white privilege? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. Right. 
Okay. Um, you know, uh, someone just made a comment, an individual can survive alone on an island, but a collective can't exist without all individuals. Yeah, and, and I do wanna say like, no one's arguing that we should have, we should all be alone on islands. Um, but, you know, the, a, a moral and just society is a society in which individuals voluntarily interact with one another. All interactions are voluntary. That's a moral society. A society that subjugates the individual to the will of the so-called collective, usually dictated by the person in charge, that's the kind of society that where you end up with the killing fields fields of uh, the Khmer Rouge, which someone someone um, mentioned in the chat. So, Carrie, do you want to do, we've got a few minutes. Do you want to try this stupid, weird exercise? <laughs> I just want to see what this is like. There's, I have an exercise from the White Awareness Handbook. Do you want to try it or do you want to not? Uh, let's try it, but we have to cap it to like 10 minutes or less because I have to go to the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it will be very long. Um, and actually, I would invite people to join in and chat here because um, I, I I have, there's this is just totally weird and everyone can kind of join in with this. So actually, maybe I'll even... Um, Maybe I'll share my I'll share my screen. This is this problem is called the or this exercise is called the drawbridge. So let me let me put it up for everyone. And this is from this book about anti quote quote anti racism. So um, this is this for this exercise. What we're going to do is um, we're going to read a story. I'm not we're not going to do the exact exercise because it involves a groups of six or more people. But we're gonna read a story with different characters um, that represent different things, but we'll get to what they represent in a minute. And, and then we're gonna ask, so I'm gonna read this very short story, and then we're gonna ask people to rank who's responsible for the death of the Baroness in this story. All right, you ready, Carrie? Yes, I'm ready. I think okay. it was the cook with the candlestick. It was in the, <laughs> in the ballroom. Okay, <laughs> the drawbridge. As he left for a visit to his outlying districts, the jealous baron wanted his pretty vial, sorry, warrant his pretty vial. Do not leave the castle while I am gone or I will punish you severely when I return. So this is the warning to his baroness. But as the hours passed, the young baroness grew lonely and despite her husband's warning, she decided to visit her lover, as you do, uh, who lived in the countryside nearby. The castle was situated on an island in a wide, fast flowing river. A drawbridge linked the island to the mainland at the narrowest point in the river. Surely my husband will not return before me, she thought, and ordered the servant to lower the drawbridge and leave it down until she returned. After spending several pleasant hours with her lover, the baroness returned to the drawbridge, only to find it blocked by a gateman, wildly waving a long, cruel knife. Do not attempt to cross this bridge, baroness, or I will have to kill you, he cried. The baron ordered me to do so. Fearing for her life, the Baroness returned to her lover. By the way, it says the Baroness returned to her lover. Uh, we'll forgive them the uh, funny typo. I just think it's funny. Fearing for her life, the Baroness returned to her lover and asked him for help. Our relationship is only a romantic one, he said. I will not help. The Baroness, again, misspelled, then sought out a boatman on the river, explained her plight to him, and asked him to take her across the river in his boat. I will, but only if you can pay the fee of five marks. But I have no money with me, the Baroness protested. That's too bad, no money, no ride, the boatman said flatly. Her fear growing, the Baroness ran crying to the home of a friend and after explaining her desperate situation, begged for enough money to pay the boatman his fee. If you had not disobeyed your husband, this would not have happened, said the, the friend said, I will give you no money. 
With dawn approaching and her last resource exhausted, the Baroness returned to the bridge in desperation and waited to cross to the castle and was slain by the gateman. So uh, we're supposed to now read the story and then rank who's responsible for her death. The Baron, the Baroness, the gateman, the boatman, the friend, or the lover. Now, this sounds weird, but this is, this is the social justice view of society. Let's scroll back up here. Their description of the characters here is the Baron represents white male sets values. He's the white male, he sets the values. The Baroness, she's opposed by, and has a little say, She's sorry, she's oppressed and has little say in the values, but she's expected to follow them. So she's the oppressed, uh, presumably the marginalized. Uh, the gateman, he's the authority of the police. He doesn't have any says in, say in the rules, but he does enforce them. The boatman is institutions, education, church, blah, 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 service for a cost. If you have money, you have an opportunity. I don't know why church is thrown in there because it's free. Um, friend uh, is a white liberal with good intentions. These are the allies. Uh, they have the my framework mentality. I'll accept you based on my value system as long as you act white and male. <laughs> and the lover, enticements, things we fall in love with, but in reality or practice, they don't always help, like the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. So, Carrie, who do you think is responsible? For First of all, I don't even want to, I don't even like the question because the assumption that this is the dynamic in society is patently false. But Yes. Uh, the question this, is, this is how they view false it. premise, but... I mean, wait a minute. So back up. What did the what did the Baron say to her at the beginning? Don't leave, um, or I'll be forced to deal with you severely. Do not leave the castle while I'm guard, or I'll punish you severely when I return. And then, and then, and then, do we see him order the the uh, gateman to kill her? We don't. I assume, but I mean, you know, look. Okay, so here the the, the the oppressed person is someone who's cheating on her husband, which is hard to relate to. But okay. Well, so that's what I was going to say. The gateman is responsible for killing her because he's the one who killed her. But then if I'm to rank them, I would put her second or third because she chose to go and do this thing that she knew the consequences might be. You know, it's you can't say she had no responsibility in this. She certainly has more responsibility than the boatman or the... Right. Or How the friend. boatman, friend, or lover have responsibility is beyond me. Like they don't really owe her anything. Yeah. Um, the are boatman, they, friend, and lover don't have. Yeah, maybe, but. Yeah, they don't have more responsibility than she does. So no. what? What would they say is correct? Everyone except her. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't. They didn't say the whole point was to have this discussion, but um, but I what I what I doubt they would like is the observation that this is not an accurate portrayal of. Society. This is not how society works. Um, it's not a bunch of white males setting the rules, and 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 the rules are arbitrary and brutal. And I mean, sometimes there's things like again, I'll bring up drug laws, um, but it's it's not based on the color of your skin. So the, the whole the whole idea that in this situation, an entire group of people whose skin color is a certain thing is represented by a cheating baroness who's in some weird situation where her, her husband kills her if she comes back to the bridge. And like, I, it's a, it's one of these totally made up fantasy world things. But what I think is important about it, the reason I want to read it is this, it shows how they think about, this is how they think about society. They don't look at the constitution and say, oh yeah, that's great. Um, we should implement it more. They look at the constitution and say, that's a pipe dream. 
that's like a lover who's just here to fuck you and doesn't care afterwards, right? That's that's how they view the constitution. They look at institutions, um, you know, they look at other people who want to voluntarily interact with you as somehow being responsible for your inability to pay them um, for the interaction, which is weird. Uh, and, y- you know, they, they make no moral distinction between her behavior. Like they don't, they don't talk about the morality of like, it's not about whether the law is moral. It's about who made the law, right? They view, they don't have any abstract philosophic interpretation of what's right and what's wrong. All they see, the lens that they see the world through is people in power and people not in power. And there's no, we don't morally judge what their rules are. We just notice that they have certain rules and they have other rules. There's, there's no, uh, there's no analysis of whether the rule is just in and of itself. It's just this person has power and this person doesn't. That's all. I just thought it was a weird. It is I weird. just thought it was. A, I don't know if it was worth doing, but I have one more bit of advice for these conversations you have with people. Um, yeah. I was just thinking of practically what they say a lot and stuff, you know. And we've been through a couple of things they say, they, and they all. By the way, they always say the same things. That's that's when you know you're talking to an ideologue. They're not engaging in free thought. They're engaging in something that's that feels like thought to them, that seems like thought, but they're, they're, all they're doing is sorting through the things that they've been taught are acceptable to say and believe. And they're picking, they're picking the right ones to try and get you to go away or to prove that you're wrong or to get you to stop interacting with them or, you know, so they're not actually thinking. And I, I know that sounds arrogant. It's not intended to be. I was one of these people for 20 years. I was sorting through words and trying to find the right one. Okay. Oh, this is the correct answer to this, right? Instead of, huh, let me think about what they're saying. Does that make any sense? Oh, yeah. Instead of actually engaging in dialogue, they don't do that. They engage in something that seems like dialogue. But um, they're flipping through their spell book to try and find the spell to make you shut up when you utter the word, the right, this thing. When yeah. this thing is uttered, this spell works. They're flipping through a spell book is a great way to put it. So um, they always say the same things. And one of the things they say is uh, there's no such thing as reverse racism. And what I like to say to that is, well, we agree. That's We finally found something we agree with. There's no such thing as reverse racism. There's just racism. <laughs> like there's just racism and I oppose racism. And, and that puts them in, because they try to claim this moral superiority, but it's impossible for them to do if you continue engaging. That's why they want to quit engaging because they they are the ones espousing racist beliefs no matter what they call you, no matter that they call you racist, let them let them speak those racist spells. Let them say those racist things. Let them say that your skin color and your sex dictate what you can believe or speak and what opinions you can form and what opinions you can hold. Those are racist and sexist thoughts and words and let them say it so people can see it, but point out that that's what that is. And again, I would stay away from personally attacking them. Just talk about what they're saying and what they believe. Yeah. I mean, my, my general, I have a general, generally a different strategy. Mine's more like this, uh, the Pete M who's in the chat here. Uh, there's plenty of people in the world who aren't social justice warriors. Talk to them. Huh? Like, no, but they're being talked to by the social justice warriors. Yeah. So talk to them. So so my, but yeah. Them. Talk to them. But like, them. You have right? to. Yes. But, but sometimes here's my thing about that. It's not like there's this pure group of people who haven't been infected by it and there's people who've been infected by it. There are people who've been infected by it to varying degrees. And so you're sure, not, but, I don't think you're going to. Someone right. who describes themselves as a, an advocate for social justice. 
I mean, there's not actually that many. They're very loud, but there's not that many. Most of the country doesn't agree that racism is prejudice plus power. I'm, I'm pretty sure. And I am, like I said before, I'm more and more convinced that there is going to be just a, a collapse of some kind and we're going to balkanize as a country. So uh, find the peeps who will, who will think with you and, and use reason, even if you don't agree, but who will think through these issues and not just look for their magic spells to try and shut you up or scream at you or use ad hominem. And those are the people that, uh, those are the people that you need to build society with when this falls apart, because I don't see how this is sustainable anymore. I mean, yeah. I know that that's depressing, but I, just, I don't see how it's sustainable because, because they are in power and they're going to, they're gaining in power. And uh, I think they're going to take over the democratic party. They and- already have, they already have. You, you're yeah. just going to start to see it more explicitly, but they already have. Oh, almost every candidate running has bought into this ideology to one degree or another. Um, yeah. The the exception. Every viable candidate has bought yeah. into it very deeply. Yes, every viable candidate has bought into it deeply. So that's why I walked away because I am a liberal. I am not an illiberal authoritarian neo-Marxist, which is what these people are. Um, so. Yeah, it's definitely spread. I, look, the other reason I argue with SJWs though is because of those people who haven't picked us, uh, haven't figured out what they think about things yet, who are watching and reading and paying attention, and and the other reason I do it is because <clears throat> a lot of times these SJWs are bullies, the ones who preach it the loudest, and they're bullying other people. And it's like, I I don't I feel a responsibility to be that person who's like look, you can, you can, don't let these people intimidate you. You can fight, you can push back on what they're saying and, and they can call you every name in the book and it doesn't matter because it's not true. So who cares? Well, uh, I, I agree with you, Carrie and, uh, share this, share this episode with people, right? Please share this episode. Yes. Um, if you've got people who are not sure about this racism, prejudice plus power thing, or you're getting attacked, you know, share the show. And if we didn't say it the right way this time, that's convincing. We talk about this kind of stuff a lot. So maybe one of the shows will say it in a way that resonates with them. But, uh, you know, prejudice plus power is a crap definition for racism. It's not racism. And worse than that, they don't even mean it individually, right? They're, they're collectivists. And you can expose that really, really easily. As Carrie pointed out, just, you know, the mere fact that you're not allowed to define something because of your, the color of your skin tells you everything you need to know about their philosophic uh, foundations. So I don't care anything else that we need to talk about. I know you need to run for a couple of reasons. There's someone in the chat who's like, Oh, they're controlled by Jews. Okay. That's dumb. That's the same. That's, that's collectivism all all over again. Like I, I, I just had to point that out. Like I've, I don't believe that to be true. There are many people who are pushing this ideology who are at the helm of it, who are not Jewish as if that needs to be stated. Um, and yeah, anyway, I'm not co-signing that you, you are free to say what you want in our chat. We are called unsafe space, but I am free to say, I think that's, I think that's pretty naive and simplistic and just as naive and simplistic as, as the the SGW ideology. Yeah. I, I actually don't totally understand the push for, there's a lot more talk about Jewish culture lately from like Owen Benjamin and those kind of people. There's a lot of talk about Jews and I don't, I don't totally understand where that's coming from. Um, I, I don't know if it's because 
Jewish people are disproportionately represented in the media and um, in a lot of higher upper echelon parts yeah. of society. Maybe that's, that's where it's coming from. Um, but you know, Ayn Rand was Jewish. Uh, she can she can live on my collapsitarian estate with me any day if she wasn't dead. It's just as bad as saying uh, there's a lot of white people who are CEOs. Therefore, I mean, it just is bad. You're making a generalization. And you're it's no different than any other form of collectivism. And yeah, bullshit. So yeah. um, feel free to share this video, like, and subscribe and feel free to disagree with us in the comments. I don't mind that. Um, and I got to go to the bathroom. So have a nice day. <laughs> TMI, Carrie. <laughs> Bye guys. <laughs> All right. We'll see everyone later. Thanks for watching. And uh, yeah, until next time.